and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we've been in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside Rochester's running scene. In this episode, we talk with Jeff Green. Jeff, having previously been on the podcast as part of a roundtable talking about Rothrock and a guest interviewer after I finished uh, Twisted Branch, is well-versed in the art of running conversation. He's a raconteur, if you will. So, after an initial revisiting of Jeff's previous appearance, we discuss running on baby heads, what initially got Jeff onto the trails, the beauty of the coach's advice, finding the type of runner you want to be, and sticking to that when the running gets hard, and just generally making yourself better. Before we get into the episode, I want to, no, I need to tell you about our small business partner, Josh Stratton, LMT. Josh is a licensed massage therapist who is quite well known and he's often fully booked at one of the more uh, prominent massage, uh, massage establishments in the city. But he also has his own practice with an office in the same location as for performance and inside sports PT. That's uh, inside Winton Place. He offers all the massage types, including therapeutic massage, sports massage, specific treatment massage, deep tissue massage, and even Swedish massage. Look, the weather is warm. Spring and early summer marathons and trail races and all sorts of uh, road races are coming up on us fast. And I mean, like, fast. I just realized uh, that my 50-miler... Cayuga Trails is only 35 days away. So you're going to be picking up the mileage and you're going to be taxing your body in new and exciting ways. So don't let your season get hamstrung, eh? Eh? hamstrung, see that, um, by a cheap injury that could have been avoided. Give your hard working muscles a little reward and a little recovery by going to see Josh. As an incentive, he is giving listeners of this podcast 15 bucks off an hour massage. Just tell them you heard the podcast and use the code MACEWINDU when booking. Yep, we like these codes. They're pretty fun. Um, so 60 minutes for 50 bucks. Just head out to his Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Josh Stratton LMT, and call him to book a massage. Again, uh, use MACEWINDU to get 15 bucks off an hour. This info will all be in the show notes, too which is, uh, the show notes are at www.runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash 028. You can also find some fun things that Jeff and I talk about in those notes. And with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of Rochester runners. The first time that you appeared on this, you were actually on the the second show. I don't you. I'm sure you know of this podcast, and we were talking about Rothrock, and Rothrock's coming up again. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I I noticed your name mysteriously absent from the registration. Did you look at the entrance list? Yes, I did. Who's gonna be there? I don't know. Not Jeff Green. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, taking a hard pass this time around. All right, 
Um, did you have anything that you wanted to say to the uh, residents of historic Bullsburg at this point? Bullsburg, like Bullsburg is a nice town. I All regret right. what I said about it in the podcast. <laughs> came off as a little callous. I, uh, yeah, but it was a nice place. I think we stopped and ate at a subway there or something like that. It was a good subway. All right. Well, that's, that's good. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, people of Bullsburg. <laughs> I didn't mean it. You know what I? You know what I think they're they're a tough uh, they're a tough folk down there. I think they could they could handle it. Thick skinned, yeah. Thick skinned. Um, so we talked a lot about Rothrock, and I guess one of the things that I liked when you were talking about Rothrock is you were comparing it to. You were saying Rothrock, the the difficulty of Rothrock. I think you said. A road race is a, to a trail race as a trail race is to Rothrock. Oh, man. That was a good line. <laughs> I'm a genius. Yeah. So, no, I, I, well, I stand by that. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's true. Okay. And, and since then, you've done FL50s in the mud last year, and then you did Twisted Branch in the... Uh, Bristol Hills branch of the uh, FLT, and um, you did a, uh, what was the other big thing you did between that and DC Marathon? Uh, um, I went and spectated a lot of races. I guess oh. I ran Water Gap. Oh, and then you did Water Gap, right, a nice flat 50K in Delaware. And so of those, let's... Let's start by just talking about something you know a whole lot about, which is off of footing. Let's talk about footing. Okay. <laughs> because I've I've had my um I've had my bouts with footing recently and so I I love the way that you guys talked about Rothrock in uh episode two and and as you were coming on this for, for this episode I thought it's almost the anniversary. And let's revisit that. And so we'll do it in the form of, of footing. So is Rothrock still one of the weirdest, um, roughest footing races that you've run? Absolutely. Um, everything, the, the trails there are covered in rocks. Um, and you get some of that, you know, like through Twisted Branch, we had a lot of like loose shale that we had to run on. And, uh, things like that, and up, up in the Adirondacks you have huge boulders that you have to climb over and things like that. But the thing with Rothrock is that all the rocks there are kind of in between. So they're the perfect size, they're about the size of a baby's head, and uh, as you like try to run over those, like they're the perfect size, I don't know if you've run on baby heads before, but they like really like roll under your feet and stuff like that. So you can really you can twist your ankles pretty bad. You can get rocks, or you can get them stuck in between rocks that are solid, and um, it's it's more treacherous. You can't you can't step on the rocks. You can't step over the rocks. You kind of have to pick your way in between. There was this time I was I was filming. Um, I was an extra on a Cannibal Corpse video, and we had to run on baby heads in it. It sort, oh, yeah. of, it sort of felt that way. Like you couldn't really find a firm footing anywhere, you know, just kind of, you would roll off of them. You would think that they would be mushy, but actually they're firm. Like rocks. <laughs> like rocks. Yeah. 
Um, but you know what's interesting is I was talking to um, I was talking with a few people that ran Breakneck Point um, last weekend, and um, Natalie Thompson and um, Tom Rossborough, and they were both saying the same thing about the footing. Like, there's big rocks that, like, boy, it would be neat to step on them, but they're kind of sharp and a little bit pointy, and they're not really great footing, so you want to step next to them. Only the stuff that's next to them is a bunch of loose. They didn't They didn't apparently have the honor of baby heads down there. They more had, um, Tom said, grapefruits, and Natalie's, <laughs> Natalie's had softballs. So... Um, but they did say like they had that that same idea where like oh I can't step on this big rock so I'll try to step oh now I'm on this little rolly rock and I'll just turn my ankle on it. Yeah, and now I'm horizontal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah, breakneck looked like a lot of fun too. Man, I tell you what, that was one I wanted to do last year. I wanted to do it the same day. Same day as sneakers, so I want to do them both, but kind of oh, far away from each other. Oh, wow. That's a hell of a double right there. Yeah, right. So you get negative five hours of rest. And and you get um I guess you I mean it's not even a it's not even a fifty miler, really, right? It's a twelve and a and a twenty six, so it's it's barely more than a fifty K. <laughs> yeah. It's a sixty sixty two K. That's that's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. If, if only you had your um your teleporter to get you from A to B. No, that was the only thing. It, mine was in the shop. Yeah. So when you first started running trails, was that the kind of stuff that you looked for when when you first really decided to get yourself out into the woods? Were you looking for challenging trails and like things that were you know rough and rugged uh i would say from from the very first time i started trail running that was not at all what i was looking for i guess the my very first experience with trails was in cross country in high school and um then i just ran them because they would make me faster and i would be really fast on the courses that we would run. Uh, I never was really all that fast, um, but my aspirations were just to, oh, okay, I want to I wanna break 20 minutes in the 5K. And because I was, um, man, I feel like I'm going off on a bunch of different tangents here. But no, I don't think you are. Uh, cross country was really how I started. That was really the very start of my running too. So a lot of the milestones that people hit in road races and things like that, like, uh, you know, sub, sub 30, sub 25, sub 20, those kinds of time goals. I was hitting them all on trails, trail five K's and things like that. So I guess, I guess I was looking for speed rather than like a, a long-term challenge, you know? Right. And so you are you saying you didn't think you were very fast com- comparatively or you didn't think you were very fast by your own standards oh um i think i made a lot of leaps uh by my own standards but uh measuring up to the other people that i ran with yeah i would consider myself not very fast uh we 
we I had a a very talented group of teammates that I ran with, and uh, and they were all quite fast. So it, it's uh, it's hard to feel fast when you uh, run with a group like that. Yeah, I know what that's all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I'm well versed in that part. Um, so you started running in high school cross country. Um, that was that was really close to the start. I I started running in middle school, um, basically to to keep myself from getting fat. I went to the doctor, and he was like, "Hey, you're getting overweight. You should." try to do something about that this is when i was 12 years old and uh yeah so i started walking every day just taking like half hour walk and i hated it so much <laughs> i was like man i like being outside this is the worst i don't want to do this uh so i compromised with my parents i said okay if i if i run if i run for 10 minutes can i not walk for half an hour and like yeah that's that's an acceptable replacement. Science. So I would go down to the track and I would run a mile and I would go out every other day or so, run around the block, run for a mile and that was that was my ten minutes of hell and then I could go back inside and play video games or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and your and, and then, your your father being a man of science knew that he was still getting the good end of the deal there, right? Yeah, that's right. My mom was actually the big motivator uh, in that respect, but uh, certainly they were both supportive. You know? mm-hmm. So that was a start, and then I I did that for a couple of years. I ran a couple five Ks, and uh, then decided to join cross country in high school, which was really strange for me because I was I was I don't know if I would say I was a loner per se, but I didn't really like organized team sports clubs i wasn't really about that and i'm still not for the most part i don't i think the idea of having accountability to a lot of other people makes me uncomfortable so um yeah that was that was a really strange thing that happened but uh, one of the best decisions i ever made so no regrets so how did it were you aware of when the switch started flipping from obligation over to enjoyment. Oh yeah, definitely. That's it was an easy hard boundary, and like all things in my life, it was motivated by material possessions—the acquisition <laughs> of material goods. Um, our coach uh, Nate Huckle would offer up to people T-shirts if you did. Uh, 200 mile summer, 300 mile summer, or 400 mile summer. This is like the summer before cross country, so during your off season, you would do a certain amount of miles. You would get a T-shirt, and then the coveted prize was the 500 mile level. Which, if you ran 500 miles in a summer uh, over 12 weeks, you would get this really nice like boathouse jacket. Um, and <laughs> when I was a junior in high school. Uh, or when I was becoming a junior in high school, I, I was like, you know what? I want that jacket. I'm going to run 500 miles. It'll be easy. I'm going to run 500 miles, and I'm going to get that jacket. And that was the motivator. I was like, okay, this is what I'll do. So uh, I started running with the team over the summer, which was something I hadn't done before. 
Um, we would go out to Menden almost every day. I ran I ran with the front runners. I was a back of the packer before then, but I ran with the front runners most of the days just because no one else was going that far. Uh, and they dropped me more than a few times. I would have to find my way back to the parking lot. Most of the time I got there, I think I got lost once. Uh, but but I got back and so I was I was used to seeing people run away from me over the course of that summer. <laughs> um, but as the summer progressed, uh, that happened less and less. You know, I, I I was I could see a noticeable change in my running. Um, I wasn't getting dropped as often. I was feeling better during the runs. I was I was climbing hills faster. Um, things really that that is a strong demarcation as to where uh, the next level of my running really began, and it showed in the following season, uh, and basically from then on. Like so, before that summer, I was a 24-minute 5K guy. And then after that summer, I was, I think, like my PR that year was 19 minutes or something like that. Wow. It was a, it was a big, yeah. big difference. And the only wow. difference for me was that I applied myself, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, I, I applied myself in the pursuit of a, of a flashy jacket, but uh, I worked hard and it yep. made a difference. So let's let's save whether or not you got the jacket for one second because 500 miles over 12 weeks that's about 42 miles a week. Mm-hmm. That's that's something special. Yeah. So the way we would get schedules um that said like okay, if you want to hit 500 miles this is what you have to do every day. And it started it started off easy with 20 mile weeks. Uh which, you know, starting that right after track was no challenge for me, uh, just because we would do we would do like double that in track, uh, and then it would grade up to like fifty mile weeks near the end. So it was kind of a it was a slow build up, which was uh, much better than just jumping in and doing forty two miles every single week. Yeah, definitely. But that means that if you had some below 42, that means you had some over 42. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the highest mile week was 56 or something like, or no, mm-hmm. 50, 52 or 54. It was over 50, I think. I, w- I would imagine. So, um, okay. So then as you're running these during the summer, um, these are unsupervised, right? Because this is summer vacation. It is, yeah. So like unsanctioned. But yeah. So like was, he would usually come out and run. With okay. Us. So what? That's what I was going to ask. Was was uh, Coach Huckle like aware of what you were doing? Was he kind of like, you know, I I kind of think of this as like a little bit of a Rudy moment, right? Like, <laughs> like you know, little little Jeff Green, the the used to be fat kid, now the scrawny kid, like fighting and and running with the big pack and getting dropped and then showing up uh you know like was your coach sort of noticing these things or was this kind of a lone um a lone quest of yours uh i think 
well, he I, he definitely noticed uh, that at the end of that following cross country season, uh, I was awarded the the self made runner award, which is something given to uh, one athlete every year, just as someone who has really put in a lot of time and effort to improve their running. Uh, and uh, I guess just for the sake of themselves, just trying to become better. Um, so in that sense, I suppose he must have noticed. Um, and we, we spent a lot of time together that summer, too. Uh, we There were a few days where I think it would end up just being the two of us, uh, like finishing up a long run together. Like everyone would, they would be out going for eight or 10 miles and uh, I would have to do 12 or 14 instead. So I would need a few more miles and uh, Huckle was usually the only one uh, going that long as well. I suppose some of the other, the front runner guys were probably doing that too, but uh, that was really probably when I, really started getting to know my coach who I had already been coached by for two years. Right. Before that you were kind of just a participant. Yeah. I was, I was the kid who hung out in the back and just goofed off. I didn't, I didn't really apply myself the first two years of my running. And I think, I think there were pros and cons to that, uh, that are, you know, not, necessarily pertinent right now but um well i mean in one sense i do think that idea of the self-made runner and i do think in and at least from what i know when we run um i do think you do your best when you come to your conclusions yourself or you're doing the things that feel best to you you know so maybe it maybe it took that year or two to decide what kind of runner you wanted to be? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a really, there's a really complex facet to that. Uh, that I was actually just talking to Dave Justice about yesterday. Yesterday was Sunday. Um, I was talking to him about how how uh, different and varied uh, your path can be in running, you know? Um, you and I have fallen into this ultra running trail part of it. Uh, and I was I was using Chris Patterson as an example who of someone who I think could be pretty successful successful in trail running, but he's focused most of his attention on roads and being really fast and um that's paid off for him this year with a with a huge PR at Boston, and um, and then you have other people who fall into the social side of it. They'll sign up for the Ragnar relays and uh, do things like Seneca Seven, which was also yesterday. And um, there are so many different avenues you can go down, and at any point you can switch tracks and start up something else. And you might not be as proficient at you know running marathons on roads as you are at, you know, uh, climbing hills on trails, but uh, the the core aspect is the same. And 
you can kind of reinvent yourself that way anytime you want. So I guess as to your question about if I had found the kind of runner I wanted to be, I would say, yeah, definitely. That's the runner I wanted to be then. And it is, it was completely different than the runner I am now. Right. right. But you had to find, I mean, you were a reluctant runner at first. Right. And and then maybe you're kind of like, uh, yeah, this isn't so bad. But um, I remember when I, when I joined my high school cross country team, I wanted to play soccer. I didn't really like the structure of soccer. I didn't, I didn't like the way the coach worked. So I decided I would run. And I was like, well, what I'm going to do is run. And then I joined the cross country team and I didn't really like it. Um, and I can't say what about it I didn't like because there was actually cool guys on it, guys I'm still friends with today, you know, 20 years later. Um, I'm still friends with them. I didn't love sort of the rigor of it. I was like, you know, what I want to do is I just actually kind of want to run. And so I found myself as like the fifth guy on the team when I probably really should have been I number one guy. There was no way he was like number two in the state. There was no, you know, he was the number one guy. Um, and, but then after that, it was all up for grabs, you know, and I was kind of like, mm, nah, well, I'm running. That's neat. You know what I mean? I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to be, um, the fast guy. I didn't want to be the team leader. I just wanted to sort of run. And, um, that's what it was through high school. And my, I, I, I probably have told, because, you know, when you do 20, I don't know what, 28 of these things, you tell the same story occasionally. But, um, my, my high school coach had said to me, you know, he's like, yeah, you're probably one of those guys that you, you sort of want to just do it for recreation. Try not to hurt yourself. You know, like that's, that's what he, that's what he told me as like his sage advice for the rest of my running career. (laughs) You're, you're, you're more of a recreational runner. Try not to hurt yourself. Coach advice is the best. Yeah. My, My favorite thing that, uh, that Huckle would say to me, he said this to me on more than one occasion while I was in high school. You know, um, you know, shaky self-esteem, you know, uncertain self-image. It's like, yeah, you know, you're not fast. You know, you're just, you're just not fast. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I see where you're going I'm, here, coach. I'm taking, I'm taking it out of context there, you know, because he, his point was uh, the, the foot speed isn't there, but the, the strength is, and you have to play to your strengths, mm-hmm. um, uh, which you know, it was endurance and things like that. But yeah. I just, I love that that is the way that uh, he phrased it. And it sounds like the same thing with your coach with, which is just like, you know, he had, he had really good intentions for what yeah. he was trying to say, I'm sure. But yeah, 20, 20 years later, I believe that what he said was you're running because you love it. Don't do too much that you won't be able to run anymore. That's what I'm saying for him. (laughs) But what I think he was saying was, look at Eric Zach's on the team and that dude's a real runner. Um, So whatever you want to (laughs) do. But 
Um, but you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I say like, okay, then I went to college and I took a break from running. Um, but it wasn't like I took a break from the real runner that I was going to become. It wasn't like, you know, oh, geez, I'm on the sidelines. And if I could just get back to X, it was almost like this second revisiting in my life actually helped me realize why I wanted to run. You know, I didn't know why I was running earlier in high school. I was just, I thought I was running because I didn't like the soccer coach, you know? So then I realized like, okay, this is the kind of runner I'm going to be. And what I see, you know, whenever we run together, what I notice from you is you're, you're running strictly and solely and 100% because you are choosing to run and you like to run. And that's the kind of runner you are. You want to be running and it's great to be running. Yeah. That sounds like me. <laughs> don't don't let me talk for you, you know. I mean <laughs> I mean if there's some sort of, you know, undercurrent under there, you know, you just let me know, but that's what it seems like. I I've um if ever I feel like complaining or whining or being down about a run, um and I'm running with you, I'm like, "Oh, um just stow that." right now and <laughs> shut up about it and don't even mention it because <laughs> you can whine if you want to, I don't care. No, you're running with Jeff and Jeff's happy to be running and it's a happy occasion to be running with Jeff. So uh, just stow it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm flattered to hear that's what you think. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I think that's right. I think that's a good assessment. Running has been something that I really enjoy doing, and all of the all the other benefits have just been added bonuses. So, uh, first and foremost, I think I really, I really just love to run, and it was it it took a while to get to that point, but once I made it, uh, I don't know, I was stuck. <laughs> you know, you can't. I think it's hard to lose your love for running after you've got it. You know, that's a really interesting, the thing you just said, it, it took a long time to get there. Um, because a lot of those first time runners, right? Like it just, it didn't click for them on their first run. You know, they dropped their water bottle and it spilled everywhere. <laughs> you know, their shoe came untied. They tripped and they cut their knee open or, they just didn't have fun. It rained all over them or it was cold or whatever. And they just, you know, it doesn't click right away, you know, and some, some potentially great runners are sort of like lost, if you will. Yeah. Never, never having the right opportunities or never having the right, uh, you know, mix of conditions to, enjoy themselves while they're running something else popping up ruining their day or or just the run itself you know running is running is hard you know people don't people just don't like that you know some people just don't like doing something that's hard 
Well, how how can you how can you love something that's hard? How can you still keep wanting? Because this brings us back to Rothrock and the challenge. And how can you like to do those things? <laughs> that's probably ninety nine percent. I hate myself. Yeah, well, hey, that's at least you got that going for you. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, it. I. It's. It's the challenge of it. Uh. It's. It's something that uh, when you how do I want to say this? You have to put thought into it. Uh, you can't. You cannot be successful in running, depending on your goals. Um, for for me, for my goals, which have been things like oh, I want to I want to place this high in a race, or I want to I want to break this time on this course. Uh, for those kinds of goals, you you have to, you, you, you can't just get lucky and like, oh, you know, maybe maybe I'll have a really good day and I'll run like sub three thirty in a marathon or something like that. You 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 have to put some effort in, and um, the the effort that you put in is almost as important as the goals that you set. Um, for yourself, uh, they're both very important parts of the process. And I'm afraid I'm rambling again, but no, you're you're not at all. Just keep okay. going. Okay. <laughs> um. To. So the the the, the effort is part of the game, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, but even more important. To, for me, recently especially, has been um, setting goals that are that you don't think you can achieve. Setting goals that you have to be better than yourself to to accomplish. Like if I said right now, like right now, um, you know, I would love you know running a hundred miler is one of my goals. Um, that's something I've never done before. I uh, tried 100K and uh, didn't finish that. Uh, so I have to be. I have to be. When whenever I attempt to accomplish that goal, I have to be better than I am now, and I have to be better than I was then uh, to be able to accomplish it. And the the journey and the challenge of reaching that point to me is, um, I guess that's what's important to me about about running and uh why I, why I like how hard it is because of uh because of that feeling of accomplishing something and knowing that I'm I'm better than I was before uh you know by my standards I guess and that's you know that the idea of getting better one of the things I I think is really interesting is with our sort of modern culture, you get to see Tiger Woods, right, in his peak, right? That's when he shows up on your television. You don't see Tiger Woods as he's flubbing shot after shot into the woods. You get to see Tiger Woods blasting 350 yards down the fairway and see him win championship after championship. And then suddenly he's not so good one day and you're like, oh, crap, look at that guy. He's not good anymore. You know what I mean? 
you get to see Michael Jordan like at his prime, but you don't see Michael Jordan when he's learning to shoot baskets, you know? What are you talking about? You saw Space Jam. That that was Michael Jordan pretending to learn how to shoot baskets, Jeff. I don't know. You told me that wasn't real. <laughs> um, no, actually, Bugs Bunny will be on the podcast in two weeks. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> it's gonna tell us how he outran Yosemite Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that idea that like. There's work. There's work that goes into being good. I mean, Scott Jurek doesn't show up and do the AT. He doesn't show up and win seven Western states. You know, like there, there's work in these things. Emily Forsberg didn't just like get born on the top of a mountain and roll down it and learn how to run. You know, Killian did though. <laughs> well. Killian's different. He's not. We're going to find out that he's actually the first alien that we've come to accept. <laughs> like evolution he, is a constant process, Chris. <laughs> evolution doesn't have leaps like that, though. <laughs> but I mean, like, there's work. These people they they work hard, and and people that we know every day are are putting in effort to get something out. And, um, I think, you know, when everybody, anytime anybody asks me like, you know, about learning to run or starting to run, you know, I tell them, okay, well, you know, couch to 5k is cool and walk run is kind of cool. Um, running at a slow pace for a long time is kind of cool. But before you do any of those things, I, I always tell them, figure out why, you actually want to run like think, give yourself a half hour and think, why do I want to do this thing? Because when it gets hard, you need to go back and remember the reason why you started. Yeah, I, that's, I think that's absolutely true. And I, I, uh, I had the incredible good fortune to have um, <laughs> caring, thoughtful parents who would uh, kick me out the door every day to, to go do it, even when I didn't want to. Uh, so I had a kind of a jump start in that case. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's something that I wrestled with in college. In college, I also kind of took a break from from running and uh because it was because it was hard and i was like well i could i could go run today or i could sit around and eat nachos and you know do nothing and so, uh i like to do that because you know classes were running all day and i was doing independent research and i was just you know tired at the end of the day and you don't really want to get back to your dorm and then slip on your shoes and go run for half an hour where every, you know, genius at Geneseo is heckling you from their cars or from their dorm buildings and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it's, uh, having that purpose is, is very important, I think. Yeah. And I think realizing that purpose for yourself. 
Yeah, and it's kind of hard to say that, like, right from the start, like, know the reason. You must have the reason. But but you have to have something to put your back against when everything pushes against you, you know. And if it is because I need to be healthy and stay alive, or it is because, hey, I I got the babysitter for an hour and a half, you know, like... You you have to have your your reason in order to say this is this is why I'm doing this you know because there's times when it's not fun you know um, but uh, if you have that to push back and all you need it you need it for a couple seconds you don't need it for your whole run you know have you ever no. noticed that like, just to get out the door yeah. yeah and just to get out the door and maybe like. Oh, that looks like a big cray cloud up there. Oh well, you know, and then Yeah, run. exactly. And then and then that's it. Like you need it here and there just to kind of to help you. You know, you need your why am I running once in a while just to give you that nudge, you know? Yeah. It doesn't I think I think people get hung up on having like a really a really noble or uh, dramatic reason for running, like, like you know, to stay healthy. I think that's, I think that's uh, on the more dramatic side of yeah, reasons. It's pretty to run. big. It's pretty big. You know, like I want to run to not die. You know, I, I started running more to get a stupid jacket. You know, mm-hmm. I just yeah. wanted something to, to put on that was cool and would make people think I was cool. Yep. You yeah. Could, you could go out to run because you saw a pretty girl running outside. You know, down the street, and you're like, "Dang, maybe if I run out the door, I can like pass around the street and like wink and say hi." You know, like, "Hey, look, I'm running too." You know, yeah. it could be a reason as simple as that. Yeah, and I, and, and for yeah. me, like my reason, as I as I had said, was, you know, I the reason that sparked me back into it was I had my you know high tech job. And then I came home and I kind of kissed the wife high and she handed me two babies and said, I need a break. And then, (laughs) then I, you know, we did baby time and then we put the babies to bed and then it was bedtime. And I said, wait a minute, I did work, baby's bed, work, baby's bed, work, baby's bed, work, baby's bed, work, baby's bed. And after a while you go, is this really it? So one day I did work baby's bed, uh, scratch the bed, work baby's run, you know, work baby's run bed, work baby's run bed, work baby's run bed. And I felt much better about work and babies. And then I slept better. (laughs) So I, you know, like it, it was a thing to break the cycle and it was a thing to go, hey, here's an hour for me. Right. There you go. But, um. Getting back to uh, not running and after classes, I almost did a podcast about nachos. Did you know that? No, a whole whole podcast, like just a podcast, and like every day it would be a, I would pick a um, nacho recipe, and I would just say like today's nachos are blah blah blah. You were gonna do that every day. No, it would be like once a week. It would oh. just be like I would pick like the nachos of the day okay. and discuss them. I was gonna say that that would you would run out of nachos pretty quick. I don't know, dude. Got a lot of nacho recipes. You're gonna have to show me that book sometime then. 
I I love nachos. It's um it's the thing I love second to burritos. Only because only because I together and have a nacho party. Yeah, I can't have nachos on the go. I can have a burrito on the go. Oh yeah, nachos is definitely harder. Nachos is hard to go on the go, but that whole when you know that's why I loathe Taco Bell. Because they actually have all these ideas. They just have really terrible implementations of them. Like, Agreed. Like Taco well, Bell has come no, up with... I like with, Taco Bell, but... Uh, I have no love for Taco Bell. But I they definitely come up, see your, your yeah. reaction there. Yeah, they come up with these great ideas. Like, I thought of that, and I'm like, but not... No, that... No. You know, like... Like Dr. Frankenstein was like, I want to create a human out of all these parts. And um, then he created Frankenstein's monster. And that dude's kind of cool, but he's not exactly what he was envisioned, you know? Yeah. That's a really good metaphor for people who run careers, I think. (laughs) Oh, you know what? That's very true. I want to start running. Oh, crap. This is not what I intended. (laughs) Wait a minute, why did I just click the button for this hundred miler? <laughs> so Yeah, it ends up being a lot uglier than you first think it's gonna be. You know, so, if you start running you think like, oh man, I'm gonna get fit, I'm gonna get sexy, it's gonna be awesome. And then, you know, next thing you know your toenails are falling off and you know your quads are huge and you're like, Man, I can't fit into my skinny jeans anymore. And and all I do is eat. <laughs> and 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 why am i why am i so dirty all the time yeah right what well, um let's talk about uh let's talk about racing jeff what do you think about switching all this philosophical um no no wait a minute no i'm sorry <laughs> scratch that apology accepted um i want to go back a slight two two little things. Um, this this running the way you want to, and this idea of turning running into what you want. I think if we draw that line um, all the way out from wherever you started doing this up into 2016, I think it manifests itself in the form of the Wegman's Marathon. Okay. Would you say that's true? Would you uh, say like doing whatever you want to do in running that it shows up in something like the Wegman's Marathon? Or no? Yeah. No, you can say no. Don't don't feel well, like you have to say yes. I, I think you're right, and it might maybe it's not for the reason that you're thinking, but uh, I would say yeah. I, I think the Wegman's Marathon is a is a really good example of of where I'm at now with my running and how I view it and what I try to do with it. And that's mostly just um, doing doing things that I think are fun that, you know, aren't necessarily within the bounds of organized running. I, I you know, touched on I touched on not really liking organized uh, clubs and teams and stuff like that. And for the most part, that's because I feel like I wouldn't be able to go out and do things independently, like have that kind of event going on. Um, 
do the Wegmans Marathon or like the Beer Mile in January. That was a lot of fun to do too. Yeah, I was going to bring uh, that was the other one I was going to bring up too. Your um your fat ass uh, beer mile. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Things but, things like that are just it's it's just fun to do and it's it's what I wanted to do, so um yeah, I did so, it. I, ha- having other people to do it with is that's been the best part. And so that's where I find myself most lucky. I'll I'll quickly recap because there will there will be some people hard to believe there will be some people that were not at the um, inaugural Weckdeb Beer Mile. Oh, and um, that's and true. and what you had done there was um, friend of friend of the show, um, Mr. Mike Weldon, um, was was um away from us in the world of social media for a little while and you felt a need to honor him in a way and um what you came up with was a beer mile at uh Nazareth and um turns out that he wasn't away from us as long as we thought he might be and so he was there and and what you did was you organized um a an open beer mile and a bunch of people showed up and just tried to run and not puke. Right. Yeah. And and it was a pretty good showing. It was about, it was about 30, 30 people. Oh yeah. You had the open mile, which was run a mile as fast as you can. And then after that you had the beer mile and there was about 30, 30 people there or so. And that was, yeah. There were only about, Ten runners, I think. Well, ten beer mile runners. There was yeah. there was a mix between open runners. Yeah, I guess there and, were. I wouldn't say there were thirty people in the open mile though. There were, no, thirty people were there. Yeah. Maybe fifteen ran the open mile, and maybe like, maybe like eight ran the real beer mile. Um, some of us may have bailed on the beer mile three quarters of the way through, but some of us. Um, yeah, but what's that's you- actually that's actually a great um, something else to touch on is uh, for the for the beer mile too. It was some people didn't want to drink four beers for and run around the track four times. That's um, and I, I think that's totally fair. You know that's. That's an insane thing to do. So the the stipulation there was as long as you as long as you challenge yourself, you know you're still you're still in the running for. Um, I, I still, you know, considered them a participant in the in the beer mile. Yeah, and, and I think there that's are, what people did. They found some other way to challenge themselves. And, yeah, and there are some people that drank sodas. Like, oh, heaven forbid. Um, yeah, right. There, there are some people that. Um, like they drank a, a half of a beer, and there were some people that just ran the open mile and then cheered on the beer mile people. But, but that event, like the whole thing, was a thing, right? That just sort of showed up, and um, we had uh, timers, right? You had your family as timers. You and uh, Laura made trophies. Like I, I was there trying to do some semblance of you know, sports reporting. Um, Uh but it was an event. Like it was a, it was a thing and it was made fun 
out of your like brainchild of your love of running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the original, uh, like the original inspiration was just um, coming into the new year. I was thinking like, oh, you know, I I should do a mile time trial to see where I'm at. I, I like to do them every once in a while just to see where my speed is at. So I kind of asked if anyone wanted to do one uh, in the new year coming up and people expressed interest and, and I, I, I'm sure I, I really doubt that it was my own original idea. I'm sure someone said like, Oh, we should do a beer mile, you know, mm-hmm. it's, and that's, you know, that sounded good to me. So from a, a combination of all of people's interests and ideas, we were able to make something like that happen. Yeah, and I think Sean Story had previously had that high tour vertical beer mile that we just couldn't make happen, and and it was you know it was a snowball rolling down the hill that uh, you know you took up and threw threw into the face of the man walking down the street. So it was it was a lot of fun. I um, did do that. <laughs> he did do that. There was no snow at the January beer mile, by the way. No, there wasn't. Uh, the benefit, the benefit of uh, climate change. Yeah. Um, oh, that was a natural oscillation. El Nino was this year, after all. Uh, well, an extra large El Nino too. That's true. Which, yeah. which you can also get at your local Mighty Taco. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, so then next up is the, uh, the Wegmans marathon, another one, um, you know, that, uh, wasn't actually a marathon. It wasn't actually (laughs) sanctioned by Wegmans, but another one of these, um, joy of running things. So what was that one all about? Um, so this, this year was Wegmans hundredth birthday, their centennial and, uh, uh, that day, the the birthday of Wegmans, which is January thirty first, um, they were Wegmans was going to give their customers free cake at eleven a.m. Uh, so, I, you know, <clears throat> the motivation there was, of course, to to get cake, but also, um, there was an idea. Laura and I discussed to, uh, just you know, really, really celebrate Wegmans because it, <laughs> it is such a big part of our lives, you know. Um, Wegmans, Wegmans, Wegmans' influence on a Rochesterian's life cannot be yeah. overstated, I do no. not think. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, Wegmans is a, is a huge, huge force in, in our lives. So to really celebrate it, um, we kind of came up with that idea to to run and visit as many as we could over the course of a morning or something. And I uh, mapped out a distance that was about a marathon, and we hit six Wegman stores, and um, we hung out and got cake halfway through and worked our way up through Rochester. We started in um, on Calkins Road in, what is that, like Henrietta or Rush or something like that? Menden. I down you south know, somewhere. You, you know, well, they they all blend together for me, really. Um, 
But Calkins, be... Calkins Road is down in the uh, southeast, southwest of Rochester, right? Yeah, southwest of Rochester. And um, we eventually made our way up, um, going up around the bay and finished at Bay, bay Road, Wegmans. So that's, I mean, let's keep this, you know, I mean, we've talked in a little bit in context and we don't have to go into it too deeply, but I mean, you started down around, you know, a place that could be called, you know, I mean, the south of Rochester, you know, Calkins Road is, is pretty deep down there and you ran all the way up to the lake and then down to the lake, and you ran for essentially one piece of cake, um, <laughs> you know. Um, but you ran and for, for the love of Wegmans, yeah, and for the love of Wegmans, and for the love of running, and for hanging out with friends, and for fun. And so, like, I mean, that's a pretty badass run. But to just to just pull that out of your back pocket is pretty goofball. Yeah, it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, it's pretty awesome goofball, but it's it's goofball. Well, it's and that's that's kind of the way I like to. That's that's the kind of thing I really like to do is stuff that is like really stupid, um, really stupid when you're thinking about it, but um, ends up just being uh, just being awesome. And it goes back. You alluded to the to my. My thing there, it's uh, one one of the models I like to live by is that life is just too short to spend it not being awesome. And I guess that that kind of mentality is what motivates a lot of the those things. Um, just doing stuff that that makes you feel awesome. Yeah, and not and- not because people think it's awesome or uh, that it's you know. Doing stuff for you that that you uh, that you want to do. I, I I think it sounds like such a simple thing, but I, I honestly don't think people do that enough in their own lives. They don't they don't do the things they want to do. They'll you know they'll talk about doing this or that, and uh, stuff will get in the way, or they'll they just they don't have the time to prepare or to get it uh, to really work towards it. Uh, but those are the things that are that are most important to do, the things that you want to do. Yeah, I hear a lot of um, I'm not ready or I could never be, you know. Like, those are the two that I that frustrate me a lot, you know. I'm not ready to go do this. Well, okay. Um, are you going to get ready? Like, how would you get ready? <laughs> like, I mean... <laughs> You know, like, I'm not ready is sort of a, a euphemism for, uh-uh, no, never in a million years, not me, you know? And then, like, I could never is, like, that's the that's the ultimate dismissal. Um, I'm, I would be too uncomfortable. I don't believe it. I have, uh, to me, though, what it really says is I, I can't see a clear path of how I could get from here to there. You know, I could never be a truck driver. Well, actually, you could be a truck driver. You just can't see a way from what you're doing today to being a truck driver, you know? Right. 
And so like that idea, oh, I could never run a marathon. Oh, you know what? I I bet you you could. <laughs> no, 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 I couldn't. No, I, I bet you you could. Oh, so so I'm guilty of this, right? And uh, and this brings me this is what we call in the business a segue. Holy so, crap. Yeah. So Not I'm ready. So I am guilty of saying I am guilty of saying I could never run 18 miles, eat a garbage plate, and then run eight more miles. I could never do that. I don't I don't think anybody could. And and then one day Jeff Green proved me wrong. <laughs> Just like you said, you know, that's it's something you haven't visualized yet. Yeah. Sure. So I'm you sure. ran so you, you ran eight miles to my house. You and Laura ran eight miles to my house. We ran ten miles. Got back to my house. We hopped in the car. We drove to breakfast. You and I proceeded to eat garbage plates. So good. Um, Laura ate all manner of peanut butter chip pancakes and Nutella waffles. And um, then I said, well, I'll give you a ride back. And you said, no, no, we're going to run the eight miles back. And yeah. and I could never do that. <laughs> well, I mean, you, <laughs> you got to do what you can. You know, it's not like that. Was, it's not like we were dropping seven minute miles or on the way back. But <laughs> got to do what you can. <laughs> got to do what you can. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's, that's just, and that's, again, we, like Laura and I did that for the love of running. You know, it was, it was fun to say like, oh, let's go meet Chris for a run. And instead of just hopping in the car and driving there, why don't we just run, run the same, the route, you know, that just have a, I know Laura thinks of it as uh, like destination running. You're running for a purpose to meet somebody, to do something. Yeah. Yep. It's like run commuting, you know? And uh, that's something that you really, you just do that because you like to run. You like to be out there and you like to move. And Yeah. Yep. And um, so your breakfast breakfast marathon finished. You know, no big guff. Um, <laughs> Pretty sure I lay on the floor after that and just like moaned for a few hours afterwards. So, I mean, there there were consequences. It wasn't just, <laughs> I don't want you to think it was magical rainbows and, you know, everything was fine. I paid for it, but. But it was glorious, huh? Glorious. Yeah, it was fun. And um, and then so, you know, I guess maybe the next big thing to talk about is, you know, this is where I'm hoping to learn a little bit of something. Um, we sort of went into, you know, we did the New York City Marathon where you where you dropped a, uh, a bombing 317 or oh, DC oh, Marathon. DC, DC yeah. Marathon. You dropped yeah, 318. a 318, 317, yeah, um, so you did that. You you just like a three eighteen road marathon just on grins and giggles. Um, I want to know how you did that, Jeffrey. Not having run 
a whole lot of roads, not, you know, professing a love for roads. How do you do a, a 318 in DC? Um, well, I don't, uh, so. I mean, 318 is not slow. No, no, certainly not. It's, uh, it's the fastest marathon I've run since my first two back in 2009. When so, you qualified for Boston as an infant? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess so. I guess infant is inappropriate. Uh, I'm sorry, I joke because we, we were joking that they had to create a new category of qualifier for you because you were so oh, young. That's right. <laughs> no, I did. I sorry, was sorry. I was the minimum age. I was 18. So that's so amazing. That's so amazing. Well, I had I had a fantastic coach. So yeah. Well, so for DC, you know, you you touched on the. Wagonets Marathon, and you touched on, I guess, the garbage plate long day too. Those were all road runs, and uh, I was doing I was doing sporadic mileage, but I was doing a lot of it uh, when I was doing it. So I would hit some, I would hit long runs, and I think that was the, I think that was the. That's the biggest key when you're when you're training for a marathon and things like that is uh, hitting the long runs and, and doing the distance, getting the time in. And I might not have had a lot of consistent mileage, but I made sure that I was able to do the distance and feel good. So I think that was that was probably the biggest thing. And I I, I feel really bad saying that because there there was no. Uh, there was no secret. There's no. There was no miracle thing, and the marathon I ran while while being very successful for me uh, was born out of incomplete preparation, and it it leads me to wonder um, how fast I could have run it had I been properly prepared. Um, so I think this goes back to the idea of um, the idea of preparation and fulfilling your goals. If, you're, if your goals are not strong enough, um, they're, if they're not hard enough, then you can squeak by and you can accomplish them easily. Um, and if... if Accomplishing your goals is easy, then you need to set harder goals. And I think that was the story of DC for me was um, I set a goal which was um, which ended up being too easy. And when I when I smashed it, it it was awesome. It was a surprise, but um, it should have been I should have been better prepared. It kind of left you feeling a little bit like a "what if" kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. you know, the DC wasn't a race I was going to get hung up on it about. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a goal race. It was something we did for fun. You know, taking a whole team of us from Rochester down and uh, hanging out, running a race. Um, but um, you know, things like. 
things like Twisted Branch last year. Uh, as as the race got closer over the summer, my goals changed more and more. Um, they went from uh, like I wanted to be top ten at the at the start when I had first heard about the race. I wanted to run top ten at that race, and then when I saw the course, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Maybe I'll run um, fifteen hours or something like that. And then I ran more of the course, and I said, oh, geez, oh, this is scary. I just want to finish the race. And um, even the morning of the race, I got into it and thought, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm just going to go into it, and whatever happens, happens. And that's just, you know, I, I don't believe that, that that is all I'm capable of. I don't believe that I'm. Uh, that I'm capable of just finishing Twisted Branch. Um, and, you know, I think the big culprit for me there was my mind wasn't in the right place. And I wasn't, I was only setting goals that I could achieve with the preparation that I was putting in, with the, with the work I was putting in. I wasn't putting in enough hard work. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, go right, ahead. And the result of that, you know, DNFing Twisted Branch was um, was disappointing. I again, I didn't, you know, I didn't get hung up on it. I didn't let it rule my life, but it was it was a grim reminder that uh, I'm I, you know, that you have to work for your your goals, and uh, you can't you can't be intimidated of working hard if you want to do hard things. Right, and maybe you set your your goal too low. You set your goal to just finish, and you know we don't all achieve our goals to one hundred percent. And because you set your goal to just finish, you fell just short. And it just uh, the, setting the goal too short was a symptom of not wanting to put in effort to reach yeah more intense goals. Yep. And so uh, that brings us to current day, which is, Mr. Green, you and I are both going back to Twisted Branch. That's right. That's Rematch right. Rematch for the ages. That's right. And I put in a 20-mile week this week, and you put in a 95-mile week this week. Yep. So tell me about this uh, newfound love of high mileage um well uh the yeah i guess the this is so this week and these past two weeks have been my highest mileage weeks uh ever of all time ever yeah so uh 90 95 miles two bad mamma jammas yeah and i think um, I've been thinking about this since Twisted Branch and the switch really flipped for me I think um, in DC mindset wise that I was I needed to I needed to change the way that I was training um, the way that I was training now which was <laughs> sporadically and without a plan um, wasn't working and when I did have a plan, uh, the plan 
was not suited to my strengths. So the key for me, I think, is high volume. That's, that's how I get better. That's how I got better that summer, that 500-mile summer. It was a big volume boost. Um, and I think for me, uh, high volume is just the key to taking that next step. I'm sure that will change when I get a stress fracture or something awful. But uh, well, you didn't just jump into 90, 95 mile weeks. I mean, you have, as we talked about, I mean, you just threw marathons in on the weekend, which gives you 30% of a 90 mile week. And you still had six other days to work out where you're running. You're not not running those days. You didn't just run a marathon, you know. <laughs> There were some weeks where that is exactly what I did. But. Some, some, certainly. The long run, sure. But, I mean, you've been in the 50s, you've been in the 60s. Yeah, I guess here and there, I suppose. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about a, a 50% increase from a 60 Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm... I'm holding out hope that what you're doing is is the right thing to do, but um, I I also don't think you've gone about it too stupidly. Uh, yeah, I, I've, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely not something that I've been able to do without thinking that mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> my body just wouldn't let me do it. You know, I would wake up and you know, collapse to the ground and my legs would say, yep, well, this is what you get. Yeah, you're not planning on staying at this level, right? Um, for the foreseeable future, I think. Oh, that's that's pretty spectacular. Um, <laughs> we'll see, though. I mean, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of things this, this year differently than last year is, is a is a whole uh, cascade of moving parts. Whereas last year I had a really set fixed race schedule. Um, you know, I was racing almost every other week. This year I have one race coming up, Twisted Branch. I that's think it. that's I think that's awesome. And then everything else is I have other I have other goals, I have other things I want to accomplish, but it's all outside of the scope of organized events. So um, like something I want to do in July is through hike the the high peaks in the Adirondacks, uh, hike all forty six in one in one shot. Oh my goodness! And yeah, and that's I mean that's something you have to prepare for, and it's um, it's uh, that's a that's a high volume week, you know. <laughs> so, yes, yes, that is in fact a high volume week. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I have to, I've had to think really hard about how to prepare for things like that. And it's, it's different than races where you can say like, Oh, I'll just, I'll use the aid stations or I'll know somebody there and I can have them, uh, help me out. Uh, a lot of those things are the same. You know, I'm hoping to have people help me out, um, for some of my other endeavors, but it's, it's a lot more. There's a lot more that I have to do independently to to prepare. 
Yeah, I mean that. Like I, I laugh, but that is in fact a. Uh, that's a high volume week is an understatement. The that's a logistical high volume week. That's a planning like preparation high volume week. That's a physical, mental. It's it's a high volume on any scale you want to measure it on. Yeah. <laughs> certainly has seemed that way looking at it getting ready for it wow that's so awesome so how many so how the, many people this, have done that um a few uh it's been done a few times before uh jan wolford oh geez it's jan or jan i don't i don't know how german he pronounces his name uh he's he's got the the speed record for uh him and Corey. I can't remember his name. Um, the two of them did it unsupported in a, a week, and that's that's the current the current record. And then it was kind of a it was supposed to be the mirroring of a trip that was done by let's see I think it was Ed Bunk and someone else. It's been done a few times. Yeah, I mean, we're not we're not talking a list of people here. Right. Right. It's a short list. Wow. Wow. Well, I was hoping to learn something this evening. So, so there's that. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's Yeah. That's That's kind of the the big and you're gonna do this. Be- you're gonna do this before Twisted Branch, and then you just show to show up at Twisted Branch and you run it like, you know, running backwards or something. <laughs> well, I guess my my hope is that you. My hope is that I am. I can. I am. Appropriately justifying my my current high mileage weeks. You know, this is. I'm I'm doing this to prepare for things like that, to be able to to through hike the the high peaks and then to come back and run Twisted Branch. And would you say six it's, weeks later or something like that? And would you say it's kind of to like set? Is it sort of resetting your bar to what normal is? Like, do you want Twisted Branch to be sort of like a regular thing? Is that sort of what you're thinking here? Um, I just want to be better. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. The, and, it, and it's like, don't wish things were easier. Wish you were better. Right. Um, yeah. Although I, I prefer to think of it as, um, uh, make yourself better. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, do what you have to do to do the things you want to do. And what I want to do is I want to hike, I want to hike those peaks. I want to run Twisted Branch. I want to do those things. So, and I want to do them. I want to do them the way that I want to do them. You know, like I could go up, I could go up for three weeks, and I could hike all forty-six peaks, and that would be, that would be uh, hard, and it would be a long time, but it wouldn't be that stressful. Doing it in a week is, is a lot. That's wicked. And, yeah. Doing Same thing other- with Twisted Branch. Like, I, I want to, 
I would. I don't want to finish in the dark. I want to finish in the daylight, and that's that is also going to take a lot more work than I put in last year. Yeah, you and me both, and I'm still trying to figure out how to do that without hiking the 46 high peaks. Well, um, we we running takes all all routes, right? Exactly. <laughs> right, you'll find your way in. Right. That's yeah. Wow, man. That's a, so the idea being like now, like I said, logistically mental, I think mentally sounds like you're right there. Physically, you're going to be there. Um, logistically though, Yowzer, I guess a couple people have done it so you can like look back at their routes and stuff, but that's a, that's a couple months of planning, huh? Yeah. It's, it's actually been something I've been planning for a year or two now. Yeah, good thing you got all those skills uh, looking at maps and such. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, it's been a lot of time. Spent a lot of time looking at that High Peaks map. I love that map, actually. Like, I, I really just, I like looking at the map of the all forty six High Peaks. Yeah. So that's you got to help me. Got to help me practice, homie. Um, yeah, I mean, I could, I could do Cascade and Porter with you all day, you know? That's good. We're going to need that. <laughs> yeah, we could do Cascade and Porter repeats. That should help you. <laughs> that would be fun, actually. You know, I tried to do that once when I was a, when I was a youngster in high school. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the Adirondacks. I'm going to run up a mountain. And I ran for about half a mile up. I think it was it was Green Mountain. It wasn't even a high peak. Um, I ran half a mile and was completely winded and couldn't do it. It was a two-mile trail up to the top. I was like, this will be easy. Two miles, I'll reach the peak, and I'll have run up a mountain. And I didn't even make it halfway. Yeah, humbling. It certainly was. I was also stupid. Back then. That stupidity is also humbling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely is. So, um, he got the jacket, folks. Yeah. And uh as he said, he got so much more as well. <laughs> um, just like Jeff and his running, I know we covered a lot of ground in a short period of time. While I, and I'm sure Jeff, wouldn't advocate to anyone to just go out and run multiple 95-mile weeks. Seriously, work your way up, don't just go crazy. Overtraining syndrome is a real thing. So, you know, think about it. We wouldn't advocate anybody to run those 95-mile weeks over and over again, but uh, I'm eager to see how this works out for Jeff. That uh, complete ADK thru-hike sounds like something really special, too. In addition to being an awesome guest on this show and extremely supportive of all my crazy ideas, Jeff is also a Patreon supporter, and so I really, truly appreciate that. If you'd like to become a Patreon supporter or even check out other ways to help support the show, uh, head out to runninginsideoutpodcast.com support, or just go out to the main page and click the Patreon link. You know, I'd appreciate that. Check it out and see if it's a thing for you. Helps keep the lights on, as they say. Also, as I mentioned, um, race season is upon us. So I'll be at the always awesome Medved Madness and uh, Crooked Creek in May. And then I'll be at Cayuga Trails 50 
and Ontario Summit Trail Races in June. So if you see me wandering, come up and say hi. I'd uh, love to meet you and chat for a bit. That's always uh, pretty exciting for me to find out that people listen to the show and want to hang out. Also, um, I'll be giving away race entries to two of this summer's hottest sold-out races. Can't get in them any other way. Uh, That's the Trails Rock Zero SPF and the Damn Good Trail Run. If you'd like to be the first to know about the contest, head out to the website, subscribe to the newsletter, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter. We have all of the medias. All of them. Thank you all for listening, telling your awesome friends, and for getting out there and creating more awesome stories. Until next time, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.